0: Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our lockdown project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for tea and biscuits. Hello and welcome to Tea and Biscuits and today I am talking with my ancient old friend and colleague, Mr Carl Gross. Hi Carl.
1: Hello. Hello Emma. Lovely to be here.
0: Oh, lovely to see you. I am freaking out about how long we've known each other and in how many different variations we've worked together.
1: Yes, yes, various characters and positions and roles yes we've done it all I think we've we've tumbled down the creative <laughs> hill together in all the different
0: various sort of ways of working together haven't we
1: yeah I remember well, you we were just slightly talking about it before weren't we but I remember my first proper introduction to you was doing strange cargo with you where I was Don Pedante the strange tooth mayor and you were Rosa Rosita weren't you and yeah. the first I sort of I'd seen you in knee-high shows before, but I think we sort of said hello. And then, sort of the morning, the first morning uh, of rehearsals, I remember properly meeting you with you whipping me with a big fishing net, <laughs> uh, which then caught on my button. And then Mike sort of went, "That's a gift. Play with that." So I was kind of like, "So that was me just being thrashed by a really hard, smelly fishing net." And that's how I first. That's how I first met you. <laughs> Nothing much has changed, That's it? <laughs> exactly. And I was quite an intense performer, so I
0: imagine I whipped you quite hard at the time. It was quite hard, yeah. yeah I think that's what I remember it. Yeah, it was quite hard.
1: Still got the welts <laughs> across my back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, um, before we get into any more details, what is your chosen biscuit of choice, be it virtual or real?
1: Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Well, strangely, I've sort of... I was going to say that I, I sort of, I may have bucked the trend because I've got coffee and coffee and savories with me, which of course is the eternal dilemma, isn't it? Savory mm. or sweet? But um, biscuit. I tell you what, biscuit. If I have to choose a biscuit, um, well, during the lockdown, after a kind of uh, after sort of weaning myself off, <laughs> off. Uh, you know two bottles of wine and i uh sort of got rid of that i then became horribly addicted to dark chocolate digestive biscuits
2: mm.
1: which i may as well i sort of might as well air this here but i was eating them several before breakfast for sort the of week two of lockdown <laughs> which is a bad sign isn't it yeah that's not good i've have i'm you, now
0: not allowed to buy them have you kicked it then have you have you conquered yeah. the yeah, yeah. dark chocolate digestive habit yeah, no, exactly.
2: Mm.
0: Dark times. <laughs> um, so you've described it a bit, but tell me how your lockdown's been and where are you? Paint me a picture.
1: Well, um, in January, me and my family moved, uh, bought house and moved to Bristol. Uh, and the house needed plenty of plenty of work doing and we were just about to um, get stuck in with that when, when lockdown happened. So um, this is our, the first house we've owned. So we've just had the first experience of having builders in and go having these guys come in and sort of look at you know ceiling lintels and them going that's going to come down you know you need to get that sorted out right away so we were like oh go on then let's do that and then of course they were about to fix everything and then lockdown happened so we've had these we've been living in a kind of strange uh, scaffolded house with lots of joists holding things up and all that so it's slightly metaphorical of, (laughs) of the whole situation um yeah, I mean, probably like you. It's just been very, it's been very strange, and obviously, you know, different phases. It's sort of been like, isn't it? It's kind of been just sort of the kind of crazy novelty of it, the, or the disbelief. I remember at first going, "This can't be happening. This is nuts." And then the strange, dreamlike world of going, "What's actually going to happen?" Then the novelty wearing off, and again, <laughs> sort of boring. But yeah, I mean, it's been hard. I mean, you must be dealing with exactly the same problems but just obviously figuring out how you know what me i can do and um and uh you know that was all sad because you kind of we, we obviously had lots of stuff to do this year and that's all been pushed aside and, and uh there's now a kind of frantic Kind of reconfiguring of you know how, how adaptable can we be and you know I had a lot of stuff that was going into theatres so it was, you know all I wanted to over the over the next couple of years but it's it's you know I really hope we can somehow find a way to get those stories told again. But,
0: it's really difficult, yeah. isn't it? Because we sort of we're mm. so used to thinking on our feet and making anything possible. You know we've put on shows yeah. in arsenic wastes and beaches and car parks and yeah. thrown yeah. ourselves off. We've done anything at at knee-high, haven't we? And um, suddenly we had no power to even be maverick.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's the strange thing where you kind of go, well, we could do this, but maybe we can't. And... Can we try this? Well, you could, but then you can't do that because of <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. I so it's that's been the maddening thing of just trying to hook into something tangible and, and work towards it. So so I suppose what I what I did was I knuckled down and just thought I'm just gonna try and write as much as I can. Because I didn't wasn't getting much time to do that beforehand. So um, so that's been good, even though it's been you know focus and and you know it's been hard it's been hard to kind of my dreams are right i'm going to write everything in these in these 12 weeks but of course it's not as easy as that um what's your first song choice and why so my first song choice is a song called river cross by my favorite band pearl jam (laughs) um no, I know they're not because it's, it's the enduring <laughs> love story
0: of your life, isn't it, Pearl Jam? It is, and it it's is. not and shared I... by many people, I would say.
1: Well, certainly not by you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember making you a, a sort of a, a love mixtape of Pearl Jam, which didn't go down very well. I think when we first met, didn't it? But, uh, but uh, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to convince you with this one. But I was, you know, I was excited to get the invite to come to come on this. I thought, well, I've got to, a, I've thought hard about these and how they kind of interrelate to. To us as well, to me and you, and our friendship, and all the stuff we've done t- together. And I thought it would be funny to have a Pearl Jam song, but also this song is really, this comes off their latest album, which they, which was released right at the very beginning of lockdown, which they've been working on for years. But i found it really inspiring and and helpful because all of the songs could literally be written about now. It's really amazing. So they've really, they've kind of done that sort of hit the nail on the head. Quite brilliantly, and I love them, you know. And they—they they kind of the, Eddie Vedder's lyric writing, probably more than any other writer, I think. Theatre-wise or film-wise, I think is in, no one's inspired me more than him. We kind of—I kind of, love his, lyri- his lyricism. I love his—I um, love his voice. He sounds kind of quite broken in this one, and it's—and um, he does it all on a pump organ. And if there's one instrument that reminds me of you, it's a pump organ. So I thought that would be to be the perfect one to get a bit of pearl jam in and to kind of sate your love of pump organs. So this is river cross for pearl jam.
3: I'd cross that river. The other side now. As I got close it and I'll fade in
0: happening to me carl i like it really yeah i really like it
1: Ah, yes
0: (laughs) maybe i'm growing into it growing into pearl jam after all these years
1: yeah no they always end every record they always end with a kind of lullaby and this is the this is the last track this is their kind of lullaby track on on the latest one they're normally a bit more rocky and angry and punky but but um no i just love I, I love that song it's really it's really amazing and it's kind of full of I don't know you know they've just obviously like I said sort of hit the nail on the head with a lot of stuff that's happening in the world and I love them they're very political and they're very human and um, yeah yeah no, it's, uh, it's a sort of lovely hymn for now I think that one yes I'm going to send you a t-shirt and um, and there uh, and a couple of CDs <laughs>
0: thank you <laughs> I'm so pleased Um, I'm going to bring us back to work and our life together if if I can drag you away from Pearl Jam go on (laughs) <laughs> um, I wanted to reminisce a little bit about a show we did because we, we met on Strange Cargo and then we went yep. into the riot, which is your reference to me playing Harriet Screech in a pump organ, That's right. which yep. I might come back to in a minute. But yes. my <clears throat> big and enduring memory of when oh, our friendship was sealed. But it is genuinely one of the happiest memories of my entire life was when you, me and Craig Johnson did a three-hander called Wolf, directed by Mike Shepherd. It was just us, there was no stage management and we did a tour of village halls in Cornwall and I do not think I have laughed as much on stage or off in my entire life. It was absolutely mental. Mike directed in the way only Mike can direct. It was sort of so frantic, wasn't it? We told three stories, we did all the lighting, we put up the set. It was clowning. You and Craig got on like, it was... Amazing, watching these you two come together as friends and comedians, and then the audience laughed as much as we did, and I just—it was a heady roller coaster that is impossible to describe, really, because like nobody saw it. I mean, Pontnewydd <laughs> Village Hall saw it,
1: <laughs> exactly, but it was yeah. a
0: genuine highlight of my life.
1: And, and likewise, it's—I think it's still probably—I know, definitely—it's—it's it's the favorite, my favorite show that I've ever been in I think it was and it just felt really well we did it in the round didn't we it was quite yeah. kind of audacious actually we, we, we did it really simply but really in, did it in the round and it was it just felt different every night and it was improvised in parts and then you know obviously um, it just felt very free and it was and we were the three little pigs weren't we we were yeah. the three little pigs telling telling the story and, and you were obviously um, Wolf and I was Red Riding Hood so it was <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs>
0: And Mike sort of teased us mercilessly, because mercilessly, me, you and Craig, I would say we're all not of the slimmest natural builds.
4: And he yeah. just
0: used to, like, bully us around through rehearsals like little pigs, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, yeah. yeah, But it was hilarious, wasn't it? Yeah, and I got to sexually abuse you as Red Riding Hood. It was really yeah. on the edge. And do you remember we had that woman complaining that it was not good for... Because ch- you had a nude suit...
1: I, I was, yeah, because we went, we went back to the... Oh, I can't remember the guy's name. Per, Perot? Is it yeah, Perot? The it? Perot sort of, yeah, the old Perot version. Yeah, the original kind of... Little Red Riding Hood version. Yeah, which is really kind of dangerous and, you know, it's, it's all been kind of tidied up a little bit now. But, um yeah, that and we kind of borrowed a lot of that stuff, didn't we? And at the end, yeah, you, and you suddenly realise that's what the story's about, really. and But you did sort of disrobe me as... <laughs> And we had this nude suit on yeah and somebody I think somebody said to Mike didn't he said you can't do that to a small child and I went but it's not it's Carl and I went, no but it's young girl and you can't do that on stage but it's a but it's Carl it's Carl in a naked suit <laughs> <laughs> oh it was
4: so it
0: was... on the edge wasn't it of hysteria yeah. and we used to get the audience into a state of hysteria every night
4: yeah, yeah, and,
0: yeah and we would drive around in the van as I say I would largely be witnessing the deep love affair between you and Craig Johnson as you discovered your love of all films yeah because
1: that, sort of was... yeah. that was his first show wasn't it yeah so he sort of arrived as the sort of new boy and all that and <laughs> then
0: and I I seem to remember I'm sure this is wrong because Craig was a driver as well but my memory is me doing most of the driving while you two sort of discovered your your lost twin somewhere but oh my god it was joyful it was absolutely joyful and we'd stay in strange we'd be put up by villagers wouldn't we wherever we went we'd have a strange um, oh god yeah yeah hospitality they'd call it but I mean it was complete Russian roulette wasn't it who
1: you put with yeah yeah yeah
0: no, that,
1: very... I'm not a fan. No, I I'm not a fan. But we'll all agree that the special effects were superb. I'm like, what special effects? <laughs> me in a me in a nude suit, I guess. That was and a
0: smoke machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, <Ellie. laughs> And Some Stu um, Barker.
0: So, in honor of that, I'm going to play you a song that was in our pre-show, which always would start the giggliness happening for me and it's yes. a bloody brilliant number so this is the andrew sisters and one meatball oh yes <laughs> <laughs> a
2: little man walked up and down and found an eating place in town he looked the menu through and through To see what fifteen cents could do. One me ball. One meatball, one meatball. Hey, this here gent wants one meatball. The little man felt ill at ease and said, some bread, sir, if you please. The waiter's voice roared through the hall you get no bread with one me ball. One me
1: sort of uh, adrenaline rush from hearing that pre-show adrenaline rush from years ago years ago brilliant song
0: though only it's... having enough money for one meatball
1: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly we had some great pre-show songs on that didn't we um, we had water as well and I was trying to remember from uh, I was trying to re- recall one of those songs for for my choices but um
0: oh so, yeah oh brilliant yeah they're great great Um, we have to touch a little bit on The Riot because um, we were in a show together called The Riot directed again by Mike Shepard written by the late great Nick Dark who's been a great influence on you over the years um, and supporter and You've just reminded me that when we did it at the National, I played I played Harriet Screech with my pump organ um, and my love interest was um, played by Tristan Sturrock, my yeah. dear friend and excellent, fantastic actor. Tristan Sturrock played Billy Triggs, but he did not want to do the tour and you stepped into the shoes of Billy Triggs and I think
1: um, something special happened between us. I, I'd say, yes. Certainly the erotic content went up. Um, twofold <laughs> 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 we sizzled Mr Gross we did we did
0: and didn't you strip um, again didn't you have to take your shirt off for
1: me I had to yeah because there was a whole scene where well it, I, you know we always remember I remember sort of watching Tris do it and he sort of had to take his bloody gansey off didn't he and tell you to to chuck it in the in the argo or something <laughs> I can not know <laughs> what it was now um, which was always sort of fine and Tris did having his sort of you know gorgeous emaciated muscular body and then I had to then I had to do it. <laughs> and I was <always> <laughs> I was just remember doing it and you're kind of I used to sort of take it off and hand it over. And you used to do this thing which always used to make me corpse, which which used to sort of do people at home won't see this, but it used to go like this. I remember? He's and your eyes used to kind of travel lip. down my body.
0: <laughs> He's pursing his lips in an erotic yeah. fashion yeah and I yeah. used to trace your beautiful body down from yeah. head to toe
1: exactly with your sort of undressing me with your eyes and then um, and sometimes you used to go mmm like some sort of animal mmm <laughs> <laughs> and we sort of named ourselves <laughs> Stugs and Stugs at that point because we Stugs and Stugs yeah the, who still deserve their own Netflix spin-off I think I agree you know, the, the Netflix I agree. Series. yeah yeah Stugs and Stugs private private investigators perhaps <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would it would be like the old moonlighting we'd be like Bruce
1: <laughs> <laughs> well they won't they yeah no it was it was um it was great to kind of have more to do and it, it, was, it was much more fun on tour i think you know it was uh it was really uh yeah lovely to do all that it was great
0: yeah and and, and i just have to say carl you are yeah. the most fantastic writer with a God-given gift. But you are probably the most naturally gifted actor I have ever worked with. Oh, thank and you. I, and, and it's just worth saying that. I think you're so true and so funny and so in the moment. My When I look back to my years of acting, I think some of my happiest times on stage have been pursing my lips and locking eyes with you <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly no thank you no it's been strange because I haven't well probably about 10 years ago now I think Hans and Gretel was the last one I did maybe a bit of maybe a, a blast when we did you know we bought blast back for the asylum that might have been the last one oh, I did but, God. but um, yeah that's probably the last time I've done any any acting, but yeah, too yeah. much to
0: talk about. You've talked about Blast now. Oh, my goodness! Oh, yeah. Um, tell us about your next record and why you've
1: chosen it. Okay, so my next one, um, these are all things that I was, you know, been listening to. I'm not, I'm not, I'm always really jealous of people that because I love film and I love reading so much, and then there's like work and there's life. I'm not really a big, um, listener of music, I, I sort of you know, I find it hard to kind of discover new stuff, hence my thirty year love of Pearl Jam being my favourite band. But um but probably a couple of months ago, maybe two months ago, I heard this artist I saw on a documentary on BBC four. And she's called Sister Rosetta Tharp. And have you heard of her? Yes I have. You, you know of her? Okay, yes. great. Cause I saw her I think on a kind of rock and roll documentary and I just saw her and saw this amazing woman with a, this incredible frock on uh, in the sort of late 40s early 50s with an electric guitar around her shoulders uh, playing it like you know Jimi Hendrix <laughs> and I kind of she blew me away and I loved what she did and then I kind of you know googled her and, and re- read about her extraordinary life and um um and then got a cd you know and just started listening to all her stuff and it's actually so it this was sort of reminiscent i thought um via me and you of it sort of a lot of stuff reminded me of um it's sort of gospel and blues and 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 a mixture of that reminded me of uh the wild bride that we that we made it's got that kind of vibe to it in a way and also um I thought you'd like it, but I thought you'd probably have heard of her as well. So I just thought, and and I'm obsessed with this song, Didn't It Rain? We've been dancing around to this at home, so it's... uh,
0: It's a cracking choice. (laughs)
5: There was no land Nowhere in sight God sent a raven To bring the news He hushed his wings And away he flew Just I minute. said it rained I'm You know it rained Oh, hot rain Rain, is, rain too long you. Now it and rain rained Rain all day
0: the thought of you dancing around to that
1: is brilliant yeah Absolutely my little boy brilliant. Arthur really loves we've got a two CD set so we just stick those on and it's sort of hours of her stuff and she just uh, yeah sorry Arthur just um, loves uh, rocking out to this but she's she's amazing yeah just really I'd ashamed to say I'd never heard of her and then I kind of found out that um, you know uh, Elvis and and, and uh, Little Richard and and um, all the, all the, you know, all the big rockers just said, oh no, we pinched everything from <laughs> Rosetta Tharp, which, which I thought was incredible, but she's, yeah, amazing.
0: You've already mentioned it because you've mentioned Wild Bride because going from, oh, going from your background, yep. um, tell me a little bit about your background before we talk about your journey, because it's pretty amazing.
1: My background, well, I'm... Um, Yeah, born in Truro uh, in 1975. (laughs) And I, yeah, I, you know, sort of fairly, fairly normal childhood and sort of but always had a love of writing Uh, when I was a kid. um, I suppose I really wanted to make films and then I kind of remember this You know, you can make films anywhere now, but I, I just hit this point where there was, it was before all kind of digital or obviously digital or VHS wasn't really a, available, and um, Super 8 stuff, which is now kind of again quite available, wasn't. It was all very expensive. So I had this very revolutionary idea of writing a script without and getting some actors together and making something without cameras which I think they call theatre, so I did my, first, <laughs> did my first play. And then I kind of absolutely loved that, did that at sixth form. And at the same time, I, um, you know, as I think most kids in Cornwall did, they went to see knee theatre. So I was kind of, probably saw knee when I was about 13 or 14, um, on a school trip, actually. Um, so, all that stuff was kind of jumbling around, and I had my own interests and sort of writing, wanted to make, knew I wanted to make stuff. And then I was really super lucky enough at sixth form to be asked to uh, do a youth theatre project called Hell's Mouth, uh, which was the RSC had set up. And uh, they'd split the UK up in six regions Cornwall was one, and it was a mixture of um, drama students from all over the you know, all over the place uh, that would come together. And we had one local playwright and one local director who were practitioners. And we were amazingly lucky to have Mike Shepard from NEI and Nick Dark. And Nick was at the time working with Mike on, uh, they'd done Ting Tang and they'd done think, the Bogus and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's where I met them. And I, you know, I was a huge fan of, of NEI anyway. Um, and that experience really kind of blew my mind and that's where I met Nick and Mike and to a lesser extent Tris and Giles and all those guys. And then from that, I set up my own little theatre company with Simon Harvey, uh, Grinning Gargoyle, and I used to write shows that, you know, we used to have a cast of 30, you know, all of us, lot, no, you know, no money, but we used to just do them in the summer holidays, take them around village halls and places and just do them. And then, uh, yeah, by that time I'd gone to college for a year, to Dartington, but then Mike uh, and Nick came to see so play a play written called Scorched, which I was in. Um, and I was just about to go back to college for the second year. And they said, they came back, they'd seen it and they came backstage and said, oh, look, just to let you know, uh, somebody's, somebody's, uh, we're doing a new Nick play. It's called The King of Prussia. Somebody's dropped out um, and we're looking for someone to kind of do it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll keep an eye out, uh, let you know <laughs> if I think of anyone. I said, no, no, you, you, do you want to come out and... Drop out of college for a year on a sort of apprentice placement, um, and um, I agonised over it because I was you know, sort of thinking about hell's mouth as well. I was very shy; I didn't really speak at all um, during those years, <laughs> and uh, so I was very nervous about doing it because Nehi were like my gods, you know. So, so Hank, to be in a show with Tris and Giles and Becky and Mary to be directed by Mike and you know working with Nick was was really freaky to me um, but I did it yeah and um, then didn't look back didn't go back to college didn't get a degree here I am in my office it's in Bristol
0: it's amazing <laughs> but it, it is amazing and you know it's a great journey of talent which I'm going to talk about again but you said it was a normal upbringing I, in fact it was Malabar Estate which is I don't know what to say, but it's it's when you meet people in the arts and writers, you you did not have what is normal in our industry as an upbringing.
1: No, I guess not. I mean, I wasn't Malabar. Um, that was Si and Daryl were Malabar, but I was probably about two hundred yards down the road. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'll get picked up on it if I say I'm from Malabar. Getting the what, kudos. What
0: interests me though, as, hmm. as somebody who came down to Cornwall and saw, is that there there was it happens, doesn't it? There's pockets of creativity. And in these pretty tricky um, estates on the outskirts of Truro, yeah. this amazing sort of movement of Cornish artists happened. Like you say, Cy Harvey, the Harvey brothers, Daryl Waller, Swifty, the artist, yourself. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. find it amazing that that pocket of people came from that place yeah. at that
1: yeah, time. Yeah, yeah,
0: And Nehi no, Nih- had a place in that, but not, it wasn't. It was, you obviously influenced each other. And and the ripples of that continue now in the whole the the
1: art scene of the Southwest. And it is strange because you don't. Um, I mean, I don't know how. I don't know what the. You know what the. You know uh, it, it, we certainly didn't um, come from artistic backgrounds or things like that. Do you know what I mean? It was uh, it was really just um, and people were saying, "Well, how did you get into it?" And I, I just thank my lucky stars that somewhere along the line. Um, maybe from my upbringing, I don't know, that I kind of ended up being, uh, you know, kind of ended up hanging out in my own head quite a lot and I and, and the love of writing was just kind of there, you know. Um, and I, I just loved doing that, which was sort of the seed of it, the beginning of it, you know, that I just ended up sort of wanting to write and create things and, and, and make things. And that was the kind of start of it. But it is weird. I sort of go out, you know, I often cite my amazing primary school teacher mr butchart at the time because i remember it was sort of story writing time and uh i I probably was about nine or ten and uh (laughs) i just couldn't stop it was probably the first time i was conscious of actually i have a memory of of writing and i couldn't stop writing this story i don't remember what the story was um and he said okay that's it pens down we're going to go on to maths now or whatever and i'm going oh god i haven't finished and he sort of put his hand on my shoulder i went you can carry on carl and that was just uh, i remember that i remember that to my dying day it's just that this moment where he just went you can carry on um just quietly and i went oh god brilliant because you know obviously manically overwriting even back then but it was like <laughs> i didn't you know i just uh, i i loved the fact that he could see that's in me you know and, and my mum and dad were very supportive but they didn't you know they didn't ever kind of you know, they never spoke to me about it and i think sort of a lot of those you know a lot of us were the same really sort of um parents didn't you know really have much to say about it although they loved coming to see you know see us
0: amazing uh, that's made stuff. me cry the thought of a hand on your shoulder
1: yeah and yeah, how, yeah.
0: you know that teacher probably don't rem- well certainly doesn't remember that but How it changes a life in many ways Well I thank the gods of whatever happened Over that bit of Truro at that time Because (laughs) you're inspirational friends And artists So this is so impossible To join up all the dots So we've got um, (laughs) Truro Boy Ends up um, Picked up by Nick Dark and Knee high, starts performing We meet amazing Natural, natural Comic actor Um but you kept writing all the time, didn't you, with your company Grinning Gargoyle? You kept writing.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember kind of uh, yeah in the back of that in the back of our van, <laughs> sort of on tour, scribbling away.
0: And there must have been a moment where the sort of the seas started changing. So I started go transitioning from actor to director, and. Looking for a team to bring with me, and you started writing for me on the shows that you wrote with Anna Murphy, so Tristan and Isol, and the Back yeah
1: Yeah,
0: it might have been the other order.
1: Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Back
0: Eye first. Mm-mm. No, Tristan first. Tristan first. Tristan was first. And at that point, I would work with you both um, almost like I did the actors, which is um, you didn't do much preparation outside the room and I wanted you to write in iambic pentameter or the courtly stuff and Anna to do free writing and we'd piece together this thing. But it it wasn't... um, That couldn't last because you were too good a writer as was Anna and and I was very aware of that is that you can't sort of you you need to allow people to develop so um, I want to move on to the shows that you have written for me and this was really hard because we haven't got hours and hours Um, you did The Wild Bride a phenomenal piece of work but I'm going to choose my next song from Cymbeline the amazing adaptation you did of Cymbeline which defines my life in so many ways. So before we talk about Cymbeline, this is my choice. It's Cold Light of Day. Lyrics, Carl Gross, music, Stu Barker and sung by the incredible Dom Lawton.
4: Let the sun begin to rise. The night is gone.
0: Fantastic lyrics, Carl.
1: Oh, God. Thank you.
0: I mean, that show, I've chosen this show because, to talk about, I I think because of the ripples of it, because I think it was a sensational piece of work, Mm. a sensational adaptation of what's a really ropey play from Shakespeare. Don't care what anybody (laughs) says. It's a mess. It's all over the place. And with you and your amazing mind and heart... We really turned it into something that um, was funny and understandable and magical and mythical and relevant. And absolutely nobody in England saw that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah
0: That's not quite true I think some people did But we, we got a bit of a bashing for it But um, before I want you to talk about it But we did yeah. then take it internationally Where people did love it And saw what we'd made And appreciated yeah. what yeah, we yeah. made And I suppose it's interesting with me With hindsight With what happened at the Globe That I didn't see the writing on the wall That I didn't sort of <laughs> See that my relationship with Shakespeare Was already um, Controversial but to, right, talk to me yeah, a bit yeah. about your relationship to that piece of work.
1: Well, I remember. I remember. Yeah, I remember. It was sort of strange, isn't it? The Tristan and Isolde, going back to it, was was sort of happened. I don't really have much of a memory of that. I just remember it's sort of. You know, we kind of just it seemed to happen so quickly. I don't even remember being in rehearsals, but I don't know where I was. But anyway, then the back eye was sort of a different kettle of because that was much more kind of. We started to actually adapt something, and then, and then, and then, yeah, Cymbeline was just was just uh, with me without without Anna, and it was really. I remember it being tricky because I was in it as well, wasn't I? Yes, possibly in it. <laughs> so I was trying to write this thing, and I was and in it was, as well. Hey, eh?
0: I was in it. I was the queen. Are oh, you
1: were in it as well? Yeah, of course you were. Yeah. So we, we were, were writing, directing, and performing.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and I remember not being able to you said you haven't written yourself any lines and I went I can't I don't know how to do it <laughs> I couldn't couldn't write myself any lines but I remember the lyrics being I'm not in any way musically minded and this was the first time that I think I'd properly gone okay I have to write some songs here so it was a real watershed moment so it's very lovely that you you picked that song because I probably worked harder on those songs than any other song I've ever worked on since because I I, you know, it was sort of, you know, the brilliant Stu Barker just saying, yeah, just do some lyrics. And I remember going, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how. I had to study or try and understand music and, and lyric writing and how to, how to try and tell a song or story through song uh, in a very simple way. So it was, um, yeah, that was a, that was. One of my proudest moments, actually, was yeah, right, being able to kind of <laughs> say I'd written some songs, outside of the fact that we were adapting Shakespeare's hardest play. Which was, you know, that was the easy bit, <laughs> but it was a it is a bonkers play, and I, I love that show so much. It was um, and you know you you did such a you had such a brilliant kind of vision on it, and it was uh, yeah. I mean, we turned it into a sort of urban fairy tale, didn't we? Which which. I was always yeah cross at the critical reaction from some of the people because we're kind of like well oh, no we've done our homework it's it is you know it, it's it's kind of all in there but we also kind of i think slightly did a we made the play a bit better because we put Cymbeline in it for one <laughs> yes It was an insight in Shakespeare.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was definitely improvement. I don't care what anybody says. We definitely improved it. And why not? You know, I'm such a believer in that. You know, stories are there to be told, um, you know, and and time changes. So, of course, you have to change. Of course, you have to. And I'm so proud of it and so proud of what I learned from it as well. But stunning um, songs, and if it was recorded, I would have chosen the lullaby at the end, which is interesting you say about Pearl Jam, because you wrote Uh, the most beautiful lullaby at the end of Cymbeline. But I don't think we've got a recording of it. Oh really? I mean, there must be an archive somewhere. Maybe um,
1: somebody from Nick. Where did you get where did you get that song from? Then is that from we recorded?
0: Yeah, from the Uh, um, So Good at Love CD. Is this is on? So uh, we we did a few selected highlights. Yeah, right. I'd love to find that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to fast forward us on to my next choice. Yes. We could do another one of these, couldn't we, Carl? There's so much to talk
1: about. Part two, yeah.
0: (laughs) In order to think about the journey that we've been on, so we've been um, friends, actors, writer, but when I went to the Globe, I was really keen to keep my people around me and my tribe around me, but also all the shared language. So I asked you in, to help me with 12th night and it was quite a light touch because it was at the globe i was yes. very true to the text but again i felt maybe it's uh, the times were different but i feel that shakespeare plays often land almost after the events have happened i often think they don't lay down the narrative thematic framework in the way that i like and of things I asked you to help me with I asked you to write a theme which um, which pulled together the themes of loss and being ripped apart and fear and having to reinvent and I wanted to play ripped apart which is the theme from Twelfth Night lyrics by Carl Gross which I feel is an amazing response and answer it's a conversation with Shakespeare that I feel elevated the whole production and the play and music by the amazing Ian Ross
4: was lost is now so found and stripped
0: brings us back to purge wow.
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly god that's lovely I'd forgotten about that one that's fantastic
0: but I just feel like you've, you've yeah. sprinkled magic over so many elements of my life and I didn't want to forget that you sprinkled your magic cool. over the globe as well oh lovely
1: yeah great um, yeah talk to no, me that's, a bit about what you're doing one. now that- oh, oh gone. Oh, I was going to say, was that Carly and Mark? Singing? Yeah, Mark Adson uh, and Jordan, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. and
0: John Fumajena.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Talentless wastrels all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but talk to me about what you're up to now, <laughs> your big rights and your um, your current role with Knee High.
1: Yeah, well, I'm uh, co-artistic directing with the, the legend that is Mike Shepard um and uh yeah we're obviously figuring out what to do next and i've been busy writing you know um what i hope uh, a couple of a couple of good new shows um been working on a for a very long time with a couple of dear friends of a very exciting musical called Joy Bubbles which have been working on with Rash Shaw and Alex Silverman and um, that's been kind of around the houses with various people and I think that would be really uh, a really brilliant Nehi show so that's the one I'm excited about probably the most is bringing that one in into the into Nehi world so I've been it was a kind of fairly so fairly straightforward musical but um but it's, it was always a little bit stymied, but I suddenly went, well, if I do it with knee it suddenly that's just released it. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a musical, it's a knee show now. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, enabled me to find a fresh take on it really. And, um, and it's a really amazing st- true story about a, a guy called Joe Ingracia who, who lived uh, in America, uh, born in the late 40s, 50s, uh, born blind, but had perfect pitch. And he found solace in the telephone dialing tone. He um, he as a sort of kid managed to whistle his way through into the telephone network. And it's an extraordinary story about about a kind of human connection, you know, and, and telephonic connection and you know, this 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 person that's kind of um, to our eyes seemingly kind of stuck in one position but could kind of go down a rabbit hole and fly anywhere and and he was he was amazing. He kind of helped help sorts of people out in various eccentric ways so it's a very um it's it's different to tin drum and dead dog which was, you know they were both kind of angry shows but this one is more kind of it's still got sort of darkness to it but it's much more kind of uh more kind of positive spin on things hopefully (laughs) it sounds fantastic
0: and and it's lovely to we're such a chain aren't we of friends and colleagues and human beings that have taken care of knee high. and i'm so delighted that you're in there with mike at the moment we're a, oh, we're a small you. band yeah. but we are indeed a band and you know exactly once, you can take exactly. the girl out of knee high, but you can't take knee high out of the girls so <laughs> <laughs> makes me very happy tell me about your last choice and why
1: so my last choice is grapefruit moon by the one and only tom waits yes which um I'd heard before, but it's sort of cemented in my mind in one of your most brilliant shows, I think, The Wooden Frock. Um, and have you heard it before on this? I've kind of thought, well, bet, no. bet this has been chosen before. No, okay, you're the first. Uh, well, it's so on one level, Tom Waits, sort of similar to Ed Vedder in, in Pearl Jam, is just a massive... Uh, you know kind of writerly influence on me he's just just the master of encapsulating and telling a story in the most sublime poetry um, with that most extraordinary voice and uh, yeah I remember it in in Wooden Flock and I love Wooden Flock for various reasons not least meeting seeing my partner Mandy for the first time on stage (laughs) um so uh, it was. So every time I hear that, I listen to Tom a lot, like most people. But you know, every time I hear that song, it kind of really pings out at me for various uh, glorious and beautiful reasons. So yeah. Oh, um, fantastic!
0: Oh yeah, big one. shout out to Mandy as well. She's been yeah. a huge part of the story. Yeah, well, before yeah. we play out our tea and biscuits, Carl, with the great Tom Waits, can I say you have been my love interest, my word wizard. My touring team captain and my true friend, you find the truth and humour in everything and have the sharpest of wits and the softest of hearts. I'm your biggest fan and I cheer you on as your writing career flowers and flourishes, but I still mourn at the truly great comic actor that I had the pleasure of sharing the stage with. Who knows? Maybe there'll Aww.
1: be another chapter, which will be Stugs and Stugs again. Well, exactly. I mean, never say never. We, it's, we're we're going to have to think out of the box, aren't we? So... <laughs> let's do some street theatre <laughs> we can sizzle her <laughs> off you me and I can pump the organ like exactly. the other <laughs> I can take my jumper off while you pump the organ oh happy days oh that's a very beautiful thing to say likewise yeah it's um, it's, uh, yeah it's an amazing been an amazing couple of decades isn't it it's just been brilliant yeah. like think about it fondly all the time i um, so pleased to have met you and worked with you so let's do
0: it again you're on mate
6: grapefruit moon one star shining shining down on me heard that tune now i'm pining Star shining can't turn back the tide. For purity, and I slip just like the stars into obscurity, but every time. star shining is all that I can see
0: If you have a memory or connection you'd like to share on Tea and Biscuits, leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846. That's 0117 318 3846. Keep checking our social media for details of our next show. Tea and Biscuits is part of Wise Children's Lockdown. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye.